Father, as we get into your word, we pray that you would open it up to us. We pray that you would apply it to our lives. We pray, Lord, that it would bear fruit, that we would be like someone who, who looked at it and, uh, and didn't forget when we left. We ask your Holy Spirit to bless us as we uh, look at the book of James again in Christ's name. Amen. So we will be looking at uh, James uh, chapter 3. Um, Pastor Peter finished up chapter 2 last week. Again, we'll uh, have an abbreviated sermon today. Uh, the nice thing is, is that if we don't finish, we can continue next week. So it's not a big deal. So, um, so we've uh, titled this one, Watch Your Words. Watch Your Words. And it's the phrase that I want you to try to remember this week. Watch your words. And my question today is, has grace changed the way you speak? We talk about grace a lot, about grace, receiving grace. But having received grace, has it then changed the way that what comes from us, so that grace comes from our words, so that it's actually been changed? Um, this portion of Scripture that I'm going to read is all about the words we speak. I mean, that's, it's like I was telling Jamie on the way here, I said, you know, I could read this scripture three times and say amen, and you guys would get it, okay? It's, James is that clear. He is that clear. So, so what, 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 what's been highlighted for me as I've been in this passage is that the words we speak, um, usually it's kind of a, a, a throw-in with all of the other changes that the gospel is supposed to bring to our lives. It's kind of, you know, like one of the, you know, one of them. You listen to this passage, you might have a different perspective. Let me read it for you. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. This 
is almost an unnerving passage of Scripture. I mean, just look at the end of verse 6. It, the tongue, corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. I mean, it sounds like Jonathan Edwards' sermon centers in the hands of the angry God. But don't feel so bad because it's the hardest on teachers. You think you have it bad? We get judged more strictly. I mean, it's it's enough to make you want to go out and purchase some Darth Vader-like mask, which would only filter and let the good stuff out, you know? So you're like, okay, you know, at least we're not set on fire by hell, (laughs) okay? Um, But so, so the question I want to pose today, the question I want to pose is, is why is James so emphatically strong on the issue of the words we speak? Why, why, why such force to this passage? Okay. And so, so the first point we're going to look at is the volume of the words we speak. And you see up there, what does the author Tom Clancy have to do with it? Well, I'll tell you what. Do you have any idea how many words you speak in a day? To illustrate, take Tom Clancy. He wrote The Hunt for Red October and Clear and Present Danger. And a number of us have seen the movies, if not read the books. The point is, his books are about 500 to 700 words apiece. You can break, definitely break glass with his books if you throw them, okay? And if you got to adding things up, which I didn't, but, you know, the magic internet, you would find out that there are one half million to three quarters of a million words in each book that he writes. Now, according to researchers, you and I open our mouth an average of six of 700 times a day. And I know what you're thinking. Not you, Pastor Tony. You better double that thing. <laughs> and in those 700 times, that's 18,000 words. And those 18,000 words would translate into about 54 of Tom Clancy's printed pages. And if you multiply that out by how many words we speak a year, we speak 66 Tom Clancy books that are 800 pages apiece per year. That's what we would write with the words we speak. So Psalm 141.3 says this, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. Let me read that again. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. This is huge. We speak more than we do anything else. And, and, and no wonder the Bible says that grace and goodness should, should, should change the way that we talk. There, an interesting guy um, who's an author and speaker by the name of Joseph Tolishkin, and he wrote a, a book called Words That Hurt and Words That Heal, and he lectures throughout the country. And the first thing he does when he goes and he lectures is he asks his audience, how many of you 
can go 24 hours without saying an unkind word about another person. 24 hours. And he says, invariably, a few people raise their hands, like it would be here, and everyone else has the nervous laugh, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. And he responds with this. Those who answer, who can't answer yes, must recognize that they have a serious problem. Because if you can't go 24 hours without drinking liquor, you're addicted to alcohol. And if you can't go 24 hours without having a cigarette, you're addicted to nicotine. And if you can't go 24 hours without saying something somewhat negatively about someone else, you've, you've, got, a, you've got a problem with your tongue. And, and the re, so reason number one is the volume of the words we speak. Reason number two is the power of the words we speak. And this is where James puts all his illustrations, okay? And, and, and the one that really, you know how if there's three illustrations, you know, there may be one that like, you know, goes off in your head. But the one that went off in my head is the one about the match. Because I was thinking, I was actually, Mark Mumbert is going to be quoted twice, but I was thinking about Mark. I was thinking, I was thinking, a forest, a big forest, takes hundreds of years to grow up really big. And it would take multiple crews, months, with lots of equipment to cut that forest down. One match can destroy the whole thing. That's a powerful illustration. The tongue is that match. And, and we need to realize, in our work, walk with the Lord, just like Ben was saying, there's this, there's this vertical and there's this horizontal level to, to what we do as Christians. The His was horizontal to the community. But in our relationships, in our closest relationships, the things that would change them the most is if we seasoned our conversation with the salt of grace. Look at this, Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And, and no wonder we need to transform our speech. I mean, look at the other analogies. Words. They're not up there, but look, look at them. I think actually I listed them there for you. You know, a huge horse steered by a small bit, for you people who have horses, uh, 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 my enormous boat, <laughs> okay, so smaller boat, uh, steered by a, a rudder, and, you know, a, a huge lion tamed by, uh, you know, someone who that lion could, so, so <clears throat> you kind of ask yourself the question, Okay, James, I get it. You know, after the first analogy, I kind of got it. After the second analogy, I got there's, I think, six analogies here. What are you doing? What he's doing is this. He's using shock therapy because we need it. And he does so to get the message, we need to work on this. 
We need to make this a priority. We need to look at what we're saying behind people's backs. We need to say, look at who we're talking about when we're with other people. We need to, especially in our communications with one another, this is, this is a high priority with the Lord. And so I just want to clarify, and then we're going to need to sort of start to wind down. But, but these, these positive and negative analogies, they are shock therapy. And, and, and look at verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what, he, what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Now, when the word uses the when the Bible uses the word perfect here, it doesn't mean sinless, it means mature. We're mature. We've grown in Christ. This is something that, that you can really tell a mature Christian by the way they talk. Okay? And I don't mean by the way they talk when they're in church. And I don't even mean when they talk when they're in public. It's just all of the time. So, I want to encourage us today. We need to put a filter on our mouth. We need to, as the previous uh, psalm said, guard our lips and think about who we talk about behind their back. Uh, my wife has a good saying. I was, she's, every once in a while she'll come home and she said, I was, I was talking good about you behind your back. Um, and you know, so we need, to, we need to look at these things. So I'd, I'd like you to think about that. Hit slide 17 there, Ross. I think all of us can find something to work on with this theme. But, but let's, let's end with this. Let's end by thinking about the positive potential power of speech. That's what James means when he says, with our mouth we curse and with our mouth we bless. What he's, what he's saying is there is, yes, with our mouth we bless the Lord, but that's, that, that blessing the Lord should then transfer, for, tra- transfer over to blessing others. Have you, have you ever heard the term speak a blessing over someone? What that is, it's a, it's a positive, usually a biblical positive statement that, that builds them up, that encourages them. And, and, and James exhorts us to use our tongue positively. The gospel, my friends, is all about grace. But look at this verse from Scripture. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Because that's what you've received. So I want to just challenge us today. We don't need a 45-minute sermon on this. What we need is we need to hear what James was saying. We need to hear powerfully in our lives that 
that I have a problem whether I know it or not. And it's that, that little thing that's in my mouth that I scrub my teeth with here, my tongue. And that as we walk with the Lord, I was thinking about this, in James's language, we eliminate the cursing and we elevate the blessing. So perhaps you would ask God this, that in light of grace, shall I not give God my lips? In light of grace, shall I not give him my speech? Shall I not say, O Heavenly Father, here is my tongue. Let it speak for you. Let my words lift up and not tear down. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and um, pray that you would make the ideas of it and the your, your, what, what you mean, pierce our hearts. Let us know change through the gospel. And let us be known as a people that speak well, not only about you, but about each other and those we meet Monday morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.